You're here for a purpose here today. Um, and we've been talking about this for a few weeks, and we're going to go for a while on this, if you don't mind. Um, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 says that if you, it doesn't matter if you uh, are really spiritual. It doesn't matter if you have a whole bunch of stuff. I was thinking about this this morning because as it says, if you don't have love, right? Is that how it says it? It's almost like you don't possess it. It's almost like love is is something that that is there, but you actually have to possess it. Because we've been given a, given a nature in Christ, haven't we? We're new creations in Christ, and part of that nature is is love, isn't it? It's God. God is love. But I was thinking about it this uh, this week. I was actually writing a little thing. I might get it posted at some point. But directly related to who we are as a, as a child, and we've talked about this already, we're, we're, we're filled with abilities. I was thinking about how, how many uh, great, well, Pastor Kim was showing me a video of, of this little boy that uh, this guy's sitting at the piano. This kid must be like 10 years old or something. And he's playing these really complicated chords that just, I mean, you, you they don't really make normal sense at all. And this little boy can, can sing every one of the pitches that he hears immediately and then write it out on a staff. And it's like, you know, it's a jaw dropper, right? It's like amazing. And um, what, what hit me with that is that that kid didn't just do that. That, that wasn't something he, he came out of the womb doing, but he came out of the womb able to do. It, it was something that had to be developed. And, and it hit me and said, you know what, Kim? Every one of us have that ability to a certain extent. We might not be able to get that great because there are innate abilities that some of us have. Um, but if, if we were to go through, because I went through that to a certain degree when I went to college. You go, in theory class, they get, the, the guy gets up on the piano and he plays a chord. And it's a normal chord, so you can recognize it. And you can, you know, but but... This kid's hearing, he, he, he knows what it is. What, it's, it's like perfect pitch also. He gets used to hearing the color of the sound itself. And it's, it's like totally amazing what, he, what we're capable of doing. But that kid would not be able, even be able to write down one single note if he hadn't gone through the grueling process of, of obtaining what he already had an ability he already had, but it had to be matured. It had to be developed. It had to be expanded upon, right? And so when, when we're talking about the love of God, it says it's, it's so deep, it's so wide, it's so high, it's beyond our ability to even comprehend it. It's more impressive, it's more essential because you don't have anything else in your life is actually worth nothing, right? <laughs> if you don't have love. And so I'm thinking that means there has to be some kind of going and possessing it that has to take place. If it if it requires if it requires a lot of rehearsal and a lot of training to be able to write down a chord that one guy's playing. I mean that just sounds totally amazing, but it's not even close to being as amazing as love is. But if it requires that kind of training to actually obtain that gift that's already inside for this kid, maybe there's, maybe there's, it should be a prompting in us that 
I need to be desperate for the love of God. Not just sing about it. Not just talk about God's love for me, but say, God, what about the love that I'm supposed to be demonstrating? Amen? Because it's not going to be enough for us to just say, I have the love of God in me. It's in me. Yeah. Like you're a a major league baseball player too, right? You're like an astronaut and and a brain surgeon too, right? Well, you are if you go through the process to get it, right? Now, some people will never be major league baseball players, but if they had started off in the process and they'd gone through it, they could sure get a whole lot closer, right? (laughs) That's how all we are. When we're born again in Christ, God comes in and he puts the biggest thing he could ever put inside of us is the nature of love. But boy, we're going to see some scriptures here, and it, and it, it has to be developed, it has to be, it has to be obtained, because you can actually have a lot of other things. It's whatever you're putting yourself to, and this is this is what happens to a little kid that develops in in this ability, this musical ability. He does it every single day, as if he doesn't have it yet. In fact, that little kid that's demonstrating this gift that's so amazing on the chalkboard. He's, he's doing as, as if it's a challenge still. It's not something that's just past him. It's before him. Amen? So I want to look at God's love this way. I, I want to say, I don't want to be, I, I want to act like I'm desperate for it. Not just to experience God's love, for, but for it to be. And here's the challenge. It's not an option. It's not just saying there's a blessing that's on the other side of love. No, it's a command. And there's actually consequences if we don't. Right? Okay. So this is kind of what we've gone through already a little bit. It says, I am nothing, I gain nothing apart from love. And to mature in love, I'm going to have to put away some childish things. Sometimes we have to have God come along and and point out what those childish things are. Because we get so used to them. They're just a natural thing that we respond to. We say, I have the right to do this. And that's a childish thing, isn't it? And somehow God has to, you know, um, I, I love this. I present my body as a living sacrifice. What is it about your body? That's your flesh. That's yourself. That's your, my rights. That's, that's what I deserve. That's what needs to come to me, right? But when you present your body as a living sacrifice, your body can no longer have any demands anymore. And that's really what love is all about. Completely losing your own personal rights. And giving them up for somebody else. Right? And God demonstrates this to us so effectively. So, and then we saw also that with love there is no clock. We sang about that this morning. The reckless love of God, it never ends. It's always going on. It never stops. doesn't matter how many times we mess up. God's love is continually there for us. He never withdraws and says, that's it. I'm up. I'm done. Does he? And this is a challenge for us because we get used to this. What about me? Right? What about how somebody's treating me? And God says, you're not hearing that from me. You're not hearing that attitude from me. Because when it comes to love, there's no what about me. And there's no clock involved. He takes the clock out of the game. We saw saw how this... (laughs) 
some games, and we saw that the, the godliest game that I know of is baseball, I guess, because it doesn't have a clock. But sometimes you wish it did, right? <laughs> and there's one more here, the, the, the fourth one. I just want because we've emphasized this all along, and, and I've just stated it a little bit. But the needs of self are no longer even considered. You lose yourself. God says, unless you lose your life, you can't gain it. And what is, what is he talking about? The love. Amen? For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. Right? And there's a purpose in that. For, the, for somebody else to be transformed. We have to be transformed first in how we view ourself. We lose ourself. Amen? All right. So... We're going to, I'll let you go back and, and hit some of the things we've already looked at. We've looked at patience. We've looked at, at kindness. Last week we looked at kindness. And, uh, and it's an action. And, and so when you, when you look through what, when it's describing love, though, it's kind of interesting. Normally when you describe something, you describe it in the positive, right? I was looking at you. So, here we go again. Lindsay is beautiful. She's, I, don't start, I don't start saying negative things about her. I don't say what she's not, but I could. I could say, she's not nasty. She's not, you know, she doesn't stink. She, you know, she takes care of herself. But it's interesting that in the description that Paul starts giving about love, he starts saying what it's not. And that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because we're being told to, to have love, and so we're, we're saying, get love, have love, and here's what you don't have. <laughs> it's kind of weird, isn't it? And yet there's, a, there's a, a, an active not doing that is actually a doing when it comes to love. You eliminate certain things, and when I'm, when I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that it's, it, it doesn't allow for any of it. There's no excuses. Again, the clock is taken out. And, and, and the option is taken out altogether, right? There's, there's just no option at all. <laughs> it says, love does not envy. So I, I'm thinking about it this way. So, so you're looking around and, you, and <laughs> somebody's, somebody's described somebody to you. And you see them act a certain way. You say, this person never swears at all, Right? So you meet that person, you meet somebody that you think is that person, and you hear them swear, and you say, well, that's not them, right? And so God does this with love. He says, okay, here's what love never does. It never envies. It never envies. So if you ever envy, then you just are not in love anymore. Can we be honest, Right? Now, here's, here's the challenge is because, well, then what is envy? And sometimes we, we don't, I, I, I think God has to really open the, the eyes of our understanding with some of these things because we get used to just flowing in this. And we don't see how dangerous it is. This envy thing is actually really dangerous. And we can find ourselves caught up with it and, and justifying it. We can even find scripture to justify it, Right? Okay, so the normal 
translation is it does not envy. And I like how the, uh, the women's version makes it a little bit more involved here. And we're going to look at the meaning of this word envy and, and, and how important this is. Uh, love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. And what does, it, what does the implication of boiling? That means you get hot, right? Has anybody done something to you? And, and it just, the more you thought about it, the more it just, it's like it, it's percolating. It's just percolating a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, and this happens in, in, in the realm of, of, of our lives, of things that are important to us. And we see somebody else that's doing well in the very thing that we would like to be doing well in. And it's easy to slip over into, well, why not me? And even just the consideration of why not me, what it does is it adjusts your perspective of that person. And it disables your ability to respond to them with love. It causes you to be unable to love. That's why it says love never has is envious or boils. Now, now, partly what I'm wanting to, to point out here is envy isn't just noticing what somebody else... Because you know it can be very healthy for you to see what somebody else does and be inspired by that, to do what it takes to do it yourself. But what envy does is it starts to bring that other person down and say, I have to have what they have and I'm going to take it that's partly what's dangerous in our country right now in the political realm is is there's a there's a there's a temptation for people to say I have to have what somebody else has you know and, and instead of I'm going to obtain the same thing they have by being working hard by being diligent right and so what envy does is it causes you to get into a position of being a very dangerous person on very different levels. So we're going to look at this a little. Is this good? Can we get some good stuff here this morning? All right. Because I, I want to know about it. I don't want to just read through 1 Corinthians and say, oh, love does not envy. So I, I'm not going to envy anymore. No, I, what does it mean? Right? <laughs> All right. Okay. So we're going to look at these words. I'm not going to try to pronounce these words or anything, but, but I'm looking at the, at the Strong's version of, of what this envy word means, okay? And it, and it says, to have warmth of feeling for or against, to affect covet, and it doesn't, not just covet early, earnestly, that's not a word we normally use, but that, that means that's something that, man, your, your soul's involved, right? Have desire, move with envy, and jealous, jealous isn't part of what we normally see connected with envy, and yet it very much is. That means I'm jealous of what somebody else has. Not, not to just obtain it myself, but to get theirs. And it makes me mad. And it causes me to just be a little bit frustrated. And I mumble about it under my breath a little bit. And it just boils, and it boils. And it, have you ever been there? And... <laughs> Now, okay. So I'm looking here, and if you notice it says from, 
G2205. So I thought, you know what, let's, let's go back through these frums. Can we get to the root of it a little bit? Can we go a little bit more? And so let's just look at this, okay? So here's two, G2204. Properly heat, that is figuratively zeal. That means you're going to do something about it, right? What did I do? Okay, well, no, yeah, no. Oh, I, I went backwards on this. Let's, let's, okay. Okay, here's the original one, okay? I went backwards, sorry. It's, this is the primary. Verb. To be hot, wait a second, let me see. Here's the first one. Well, let's just look at all of them and we'll get some good stuff out, Okay. <laughs> This is the primary, I think, is what it is. The primary verb is, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's, it's when you get hot, when, you get, when, you're, when, you're, when your emotions are boiling about it, right? Do you, can you tell when, you're, when your emotions are, are not normal? And you might, you know, a lot of people go get a drink or something, right? That's, that's what drives people to drink or to, to drugs sometimes. Because uh, I, I just can't handle this, right? <laughs> to be fervent, to be fervent. Okay, let's, let's just go back on this. We'll go this way. We'll pretend like it went this way, okay? To properly heat, okay, to be zealous, to be, to be doing, I'm going to do something about it, right? Okay, we've already seen this. Have a warmth of feeling or covet. To be not just looking at somebody else, but I'm, uh, there, there, there's something that, that is, has affected my soul with regard to somebody else. And you would be surprised if you start to let a meter go on inside of you how easy it is to be affected in this way. And, and, and love never does this. Right? <laughs> okay. So what I want to look at is, is um, let's, let's go back to Proverbs real quick. There's, we, we sang about it this morning, this so wonderful, the love of God. There's a place of peace. There's a place of rest that God wants to take us to, isn't there? There's a, place, there's a secret place of the Almighty where the enemy's arrows don't get in, right? That's a place of peace. Wouldn't you say that anything that disrupts your peace is going to disrupt your love? Is going to disrupt your ability to walk in love? Right? And we don't even see this coming. We, all we see is... Anytime what somebody else is getting or is, is abounding in becomes something that causes our gaze to look back, back at ourselves and make a comparison, anytime that happens, we might not be on the edge of doing something dangerous, but we're stepping out of the capacity of love in our life. Is this good? We got... And so Proverbs talks about it this way. It says, the heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Here's the thing about it. Sometimes when we're thinking about loving, we're, 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 and this is the way it needs to be. It needs to be where we're losing ourselves so somebody else can benefit. But 
Partly what has to happen is we have to become love ourselves. We have to become freed. We have to become healthy ourselves to where nothing is disrupting our peace so that we have the capacity to tr- truly love. So what's happening when envy takes place? What it's doing is it's rotting your own bones. It's not even doing anything to that other person directly. It's causing your own bones, your own emotions, your own peace to be disrupted. And it's disabling you. Right? So, Romans, man, Paul, Paul, he's talking to Christians here. This is the, this is the challenge that I have is... You know, I'm so grateful that I have things that I can stand in faith and I can say that grace has done this for me. But we have to grow up in grace too. Peter talks about this. It's not enough to just say that we already have it. We have to grow up in it. Amen? It's just like that little boy. We we have a great capacity of love within us. But if if we're not moving towards it every day, if we're not growing in it every day, then we're going to digress from it every day. Right? So Paul, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. <laughs> now here's, here's just what I want to open up as, an, as a, as a, uh, a, a, a thought. That what envy does, it doesn't just keep you from loving. It actually starts to take you on a path that has a lot of bad endings. It has, it has potential of very devastating things. And it's, it's, it's a path that is led by a self-focus. Right? Because, you know, there, there's a lot of people that we could be envious and jealous of. And, 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 and we don't have to be. We can stay in a place of peace, can't we? But here's what he's talking about. Here's, it's just, uh, it's kind of, we need to be aware, right? They've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. And the first thing he describes here is they are full of envy. But look what the crowd that envy hangs out with is includes, right? Murder, strife, deceit, and malice. And they are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Man, that, that's like the worst, right? They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, and no mercy right and i think it's you know he did he didn't spell this out but it's kind of interesting this this starts with envy it's a door that opens up to some things that can become very bad and i've seen this happen man i've grown up in the church how many grown up in the church my dad was a pastor i've seen people that man they were on their knees and they were loving god with all their heart and then something happened they got into strife. They got into some other things. And, 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 and where, where, where somebody could have been a blessing in their life, they become envious of them. and They become embittered. What, what envy does is it, it opens up the door to bitterness. And now 
The command you were given. Jesus said the only command you have to keep is love, right? And you're kept from the ability to fulfill that command because you've allowed envy to dominate, right? Okay, let me see what else I got here. This is good stuff. Okay, so James says, but, and look at, look at how he describes this, because this is, it's an opportunity for all of us, and maybe we're all on a certain level where, where we need to, I, I want to say, God, this is me, help me, right? I don't want to say, man, that was a good sermon, I, I, I wonder who that was for, <laughs> you know? God, let this be for me. I want to be humble before you. If I'm a child in any, to any degree in this, related to this, Lord, help me to put that away. Show me how. Amen? Because it's dangerous. But if you harbor, and what are you doing with this envy? Everybody has envy knocking on the door, right? So you have to go get one of those new ring things. Have you ever seen those ring things? <laughs> and, 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 and you see envy show up at your front door and you just holler through your phone. Get away, you. Right? And you scare them off, right? That's what we're supposed to do. Whom resist steadfast. But you got to know who it is. Here's the problem with the ring thing on your door. If you don't recognize the evil one when he shows up, you say, come on in. I've been doing this for so long. I'm used to you being in my home. And you don't realize that every time he comes in, he's just walked through dog poop in the front yard and he's bringing it right into your house. That just came to me. Is that all right? <laughs> so, but if you harbor, that means you, you, you take in and you allow it to remain, right? Bitter envy and selfish ambition. In your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. What happens when you boast about it? You say, this is what I'm going to do no matter what. In fact, I'm kind of proud. This is who I am. This is what I do. You're not going to tell me I can't do this, right? It says, don't do that. Because what you're doing is you're protecting the very thing that is destroying you. Such, don't you like this, in quotes, wisdom. Because, you know, people will, people will declare their ability to feel, their, feel, <laughs> feel some way about somebody as if it's their right and who they are, and they're declaring it as if it's truth. You know what I mean? And what does Paul talk to? He, he, he puts that kind of truth in quotations. He says that's not really from God. Right? This wisdom comes down from does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So what you're doing is you're not just flowing, you're not just flowing in a in a natural realm. You're not just flowing in, in an earthly realm. You're actually flowing in a spiritual realm that has a devastating end, right? For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Can you see why Paul included not having envy at all in a description of what love looks like? 
Is that good? Amen? I'm just thinking about a couple examples. Can you help me with this? You, all, you know these stories, but what about the very first crime? What happened? I said, you mean you took his offering and you didn't take mine? You don't even care about You don't appreciate what I did. You don't appreciate how hard I worked. It all becomes, the other person's blessing became an, a self-focus, a selfish ambition, a jealousy. And what did it do? It boiled. And what did it take him to? It was very dangerous, wasn't it? He loved his brother. You know he did. And here's the danger. We have love. We have love for other people. But Satan will come in. That was a demonic force taking place, wasn't it? And you open up the door and you welcome in the guy with the dog poop on his feet. And he comes in and he causes destruction in the home that was clean and spotless before. And somebody ends up dead. And I was thinking about this. You know, it might never, not ever get to that degree. We might not ever kill somebody. But you know what? Death and life are in the power of the tongue alone. We can cause death on a much smaller scale than that. We're, that's what we're seeing. But God sees it differently. You can kill somebody in your heart. Jesus said if you've done it in your heart, you've done it already. Right? That makes me really feel bad when dad used to spank me. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Ah, aren't you glad for repentance? <laughs> we, don't, we can change. We can be made right. <laughs> um, and another one. You know, I, <laughs> don't you know Saul was the dude? King Saul. He was, he was better looking, bigger, more amazing than anybody else in the kingdom. They had to have a king. They had to have a king. Wham, wham, wham. Wambulance. They had to have a king. God says, well, let's give you somebody you're going to really be impressed with. Did you know Saul had nothing to complain about? He didn't have to feel less than anybody else. He was already made to be somebody. He didn't have to look at anybody else with envy or jealousy. He was the king. Right? And here comes along a little snot-nosed, red-headed boy. I don't know what he looked like, but, but he wasn't near as big or amazing as, as Saul, was he? He wasn't. But God... God saw things a little bit differently. You know, it was before David even came along that Saul was already having problems. Because what are the problems that cause us to be susceptible and vulnerable to the attack of envy against love in our life? Can I say it that way? It's a lack of self-identity. Of knowing who we are. Because the only way envy can have any foothold in our life is if we're insecure. If we don't know who we are, Saul did not know who he was. He didn't completely believe in the anointing that God had already put upon his life. 
So much so that a little boy comes along and causes him to become insecure. What did that do? That opened up the door for demonic forces to come in. Right? He started going to soothsayers to get answers. <laughs> Saul become, became very dangerous. And what, what happened to this, this little boy? This little, well, he was a giant killer, so you got to you know, give him that. But what, what happened to Saul's opinion of this little boy, this little Israeli boy that, that was, he was supposed to be protecting and caring for? He actually wanted to destroy him. He, he got, the, he got, the, he got the, the spirit of Cain upon him, didn't he? Right? Saul, the, the, the guy that should have known who he was, got over into the dangerous realm. He should have been loving and caring for David. He should have been building him up and said, oh, he's going to be the king. I need to help him to be the best king he can be, rather than becoming insecure about who he was. Right? <laughs> and so on the inverse of that, you have David, who has really not nearly as much reason to be confident in who he is based upon what he looks like or his heritage, right? He's just a shepherd boy. But where's his identity? His identity is in a much greater place. Here's the king. He's been anointed to become the king. That king is, is already is, is occupying the place that he's been promised. In David, could it, there was a great opportunity for him to become envious. Right? What was Saul's downfall? God said, you go in and destroy everybody. And Saul said, I can do this myself. He's thinking about himself. His focus is upon himself. He's not responding to what God said. He's, he's thinking about himself. He says, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to bring them all back and have my own sacrifice. I'm going to do it myself. And what happened to him? He was taken down a path. He opened himself up to something that was not godly at all. That's the reason why he lost it. So David, he's in a position. He's running for his life. And when he has the opportunity to take care of things himself, the king comes into the cave. If he had had the slightest bit of envy or of jealousy, but his heart was so consumed with a God of love, Right? Then in that moment when the devil was right there ready to strip from David the thing that was promised him, if he would have laid a hand, in fact, cutting off his garment became something he, was, he felt bad about, right? But if he had laid a hand on David at all, what would have it done to David? He would have been taking care of what was promised him, but he would have been responding to a voice that was not God. Boy, this is a good lesson for us, is it not? 
God has a place for us. He has a promise for us. He has a heritage for us. He has, we're, we're called to be kings and queens, right? Priests unto God. But it's only by love that anything works in the kingdom of God. And envy cannot be even a small part of that. Any of it. We see what somebody else has done. You know what can never happen, can never come out of our mouth. What about me? Why don't I have that? Because you know what that is? That's a wide open door to envy. And maybe you're supposed to be praying for that person. Maybe you're supposed to be caring for them. Maybe you're supposed to be sending them a gift. Amen? And you're caught up in what about me? Is this good? All right. Are we still here? All right. Titus has some really good stuff here. I just want to I just want to end with one more passage. We've got another slide after this one, but bunch of your neighbors say this is for you. Wake up. <laughs> I want this to be I want this to be our prayer, our declaration over ourselves, you know. At one time I was like that, but I'm not anymore. Amen? And this is what we have. Everything we're talking about today is something you cannot do just because you heard a sermon. It's something you do because you're connected to the spirit of life. This is not by power. It's not by might. It's, this is what is by the spirit, says the Lord. Because there's a mountain of envy in all of our lives to some degree that cannot be removed out of our own strength. The arm of our flesh. But it requires the spirit. Amen. So I like this. It says at one time we too were foolish. Disobedient. Deceived. And enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. That's all selfish stuff right? We lived in malice and envy. Being hated. And hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. Now, to me this is precious. Because all of us are in a state of God's love and mercy already being demonstrated. But it has to come into our vision. We have to see it. It has to appear to us. Right? You know, th there's truths that are truth, but until you see them, they don't become truth to you. Does that make sense? Now, truth doesn't need your agreement. <laughs> it, it doesn't care if you're offended or not. Truth is truth. But it's not applied in your life until you actually see it. That's why I think it's so important for us to talk about some of these things. Amen? Because we're going to have to see him with our eyes. We're going to have to recognize who's showing up on the door. So we can tell them to go away. Amen? But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. There's nobody in our life. That will get the love that is required of us just because of what they do. 
Does this make sense? We have to draw on something else. That how love is coming out of us is completely apart from how anybody acts in our life. Now, we get to practice this with our spouses all the time, don't we? <laughs> You're fixing to find out, Hunter. Okay. <laughs> and I'm grateful that God gives us somebody that we commit to, and then we have to stay with our commitment because it's not about us, right? And we look at what God has done towards us, and we were, this is the source from which we have the capacity to recognize and to see when envy shows up on the door. It's because we've been looking to the source of our life. Amen? How do we practice this? By just trying to stay away from it in the morning? No. It's by being in, engulfed. That's like, like David says, your mercies are new every morning. I'm looking at your mercies every morning, and I'm being so overwhelmed with how you give me mercy. And so out of me comes the capacity to give mercy. Amen? Are we still good here? He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that having been justified by his grace, we might, and get, let's get this, and we might, we might, I say I might, become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. What did I say a little while ago is the, is the vulnerability of somebody that can envy. It's insecurity, isn't it? It's not knowing who you are. What I love about who we are in Christ is it strips us from the vulnerability for envy or jealousy because we're so believing in who we've been made to be in Christ. Is this good? I like ending with this because we've been justified. Donald Trump has nothing on me. Right? I don't want, I, I don't, I'm not jealous. I'm not envious. JP, as great as he plays, I admire that. I'm going to practice more, but I'm securing who God has made me to be. Amen? I'm an heir of Christ, a joint heir. Amen? And my future is secured in Him, so I don't need what anybody else says. Somebody takes that position that I wish I had. Somebody else is honored in a way that I wish I was. Oh, I want to honor them too. Amen? You get in a position of supporting, of loving, that the, 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 the well of love is able to be spread abroad from your heart. When your heart is secured in who you are. Amen. Boy, this is good. There's an answer for us to become totally oblivious to a what about me when somebody else is blessed. Amen. How is that done? Not by saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. No, that's by, by becoming so secure in who we are. In the every, every day, wake, I want to challenge us every day. Let's wake up and just be grateful for the love of God, for the mercy of God. Amen. 
and to allow it to affect our perception of who we are so that when, when we see that, the appearance of what God has already done for us in Christ becomes our daily experience. The appearance of what God has done for us becomes our daily experience. Amen? If it's not happening, then the basis for the stability, it's like, it's like Braden, he's, he's, they're, they're teaching him all these songs at school, and it's, you know, um, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. What is the rock? Of our salvation. It's the love of God. Amen. And we have to build our life. What, what, what do you do when you're building something? You don't just stop. You continue to build. It continues to be a construction. You can continue to grow. Because there's no stopping in, in the growth. Of love. Amen. And if you actually... Pull away even one day. Have you ever found yourself in this? How in the world did I get to this place where I'm? my peace is so disrupted? I'm talking about what somebody else has, and I'm frustrated. That's not right. My peace is disrupted at all. It should never happen. Well, let's go back and say, where have you been in your relationship with God and your appearance of what he's done for you already? Amen? Because in that is a secret place of the Most High where the darts of the enemy of envy, of strife, of eventual murder <laughs> to some degree are quenched. They're quenched in the barrier of God's love and us seeing it for ourselves, becoming so secure in it that we're like David. And that opportunity comes right before us and sleeping right in front of us. And we can take advantage of it right now ourselves, but we don't even go there because we will not touch something that is not, not ours to touch. Amen? There's nobody in our life that is ours to touch. Nobody. If God's going to, if, if they're worthy of something, that's up to God. Our place is only to love. All the time, everywhere, to everybody, and especially those closest to us, when it's sometimes easiest to act otherwise. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the, the, the source of life, the well of life, the water of life that has come from your word today. Lord God, we just want to yield to it. We want to say, God, let that be me. Lord, we thank you for your spirits moving in this place today. Lord, we just, we want to yield to you more and more. We want to, we want to wait on you and let you be fulfilled in what you've come to meet us with, Lord God. Help us not, not to be exposed to your, your truth and not actually see it not actually be changed by it but help us to be transformed renew our minds we pray help it to be that we become so secure in who you've made us to be in Christ that our house is built upon that rock 
And when the winds come and, and we're tempted over and over to get out of peace, to get frustrated and to begin to say, what about me? What about me? That you appear and what washes over us is a revelation of the magnitude of your love for us. And in that washing, that regeneration that takes place is the establishment of an identity that completely repulses and no longer even allows to the smallest degree the enemy to come in for us to harbor him in the least. Lord, I pray that this truth would go with us. Lord, we thank you that, that, that you've given us the Holy Spirit. And you said the Holy Spirit would bring things back to our remembrance. That the things that Jesus said, that you'd bring them to our, our minds and, and cause them to be useful to us at the time of need, Lord God. And that you said that no temptation would overtake us, but such is common. And, and, and that in every time, Lord God, that you would make a way. And Father, I thank you that it's through your word, it's through the truth of your word, it's through what you've even expressed to us today that you're going you're gonna to be the answer to us when we're tempted to fall into that place where we become dangerous, we become potentially harmful to somebody else instead of helpful to them. That you'll quicken us to the truth that we've been exposed to and it will be something that is not just a truth that's out there, but it's the truth that we see and that makes a difference in our life. Lord, I thank you that there's lives around us. There's lives before us that are going to be touched with the love of God because it's been activated by our intentional and active denying of the enemy's envy in our life. Hallelujah. Lord, we rejoice over this today. We used to be like that, but no longer. Now we've been changed by the blood of Jesus. We've been taken to a new place in Him where love reigns. Show us love, Lord God. Show us love beyond where we've been. Help us to be desperate for it. Help it to be something where we want to walk on. We want to write on the chalkboard. We want to be able to hear things. We want to be able to see things. We want to be able to walk and respond to the command of love that we have in Christ. Hallelujah. So I pray for this today for us, Lord God. I pray that we would be changed as we leave, that we would be encouraged as we leave, knowing what we have. That wherever we go this week will be lights. We'll be delivered from the power of envy. And translate it into the kingdom of your love and your light. Thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you just stand up with me and let's just let's just honor the presence of God here today. Let's just let's let's receive of his love. Let's receive of, of his goodness to us. Amen. Hallelujah.